Welcome to Project Blue, a podcast about the people, companies, and ideas changing the way we think about and manage our global water resources. My name is Matt. And I'm Alexandra. Join us as we explore innovative technologies defining the future of water. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to episode four of Project Blue. Thank you to everyone who has been tuning into our episode so far. If you have any advice, feedback, ideas for future episodes, or even just want to connect, feel free to reach out to Matt and me at info.projectblue at gmail.com. I am really excited to introduce our guest for this episode, Clara McBain, who is the VP of Business Development at Source. Source hydropanels are an amazing technology that converts moisture in the air into clean drinking water using the power of the sun. She has some fascinating stories to share about how they've successfully deployed this technology in a variety of locations around the world. I'll go ahead and let Clara take it from there. Welcome, Clara. I am so excited to have you here and really excited to learn more about Source Hydro Panels. We are very grateful for you taking the time today. And I think the first best thing to do would be for you to give a brief background on yourself and then a brief background on Source to start us off. Sure. Thanks, Alexandra. I'm excited to be here. So my name is Clara. Uh, I run the business development team in North America for Source. And background on me, well, I grew up the daughter of a water and wastewater civil engineer. So he's a self-described, he's a self-described water buffalo and went through school for civil and structural engineering um, and ultimately actually landed in renewable energy. So spent about 10 years in, in solar and energy storage and an opportunity came up to work with Source. And, you know, I got um, com- completely fell in love with the idea um, of the technology and the applications of the people that we serve. And here I am. Thanks so much for the background. So Source mm-hmm. was originally zero mass water and then recently changed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So we were called zero mass water and actually zero mass water is a more of a testament to the culture of the company. So the, the concept that um, without, you know, having inertial mass, essentially you can be, um, you, you can change direction very quickly. Um, and uh, we changed our name to Source Global actually at the moment that we got approved to be a, a B Corp, a certified B Corporation. Um, so now our official name is Source Global Public Benefit Corporation. Awesome. And then could you talk a little bit about the technology and a little bit about what fueled the idea to create Source Hydropanels? Absolutely. Um, Source was created around our vision to perfect water for every person, every place. And globally, you know, we see time and time again how underserved and underprivileged populations don't have basic access to clean drinking water. And even right here in California, right, we see over a million residents that don't have safe water to drink, you know, coming out of their tap. Um, So Source was created actually to solve this problem um, by creating a technology that creates drinking water with just sunlight and air anywhere in the world. So what type of communities or areas are you really targeting? And with these areas, what are the main challenges that they're facing that Source is aiming to solve? Absolutely. Um, So within the U.S., um, we're working with communities that have experienced water access issues for generations and water quality challenges for decades. 
Um, many of those communities are tribal or fall within the kind of hotspot regions of the Central Valley, California, along the Mexican border in Arizona and Texas, and across Appalachia. And many of the challenges um, facing these communities are from essentially generational gates to either accessing or maintaining centralized water infrastructure. And many of those challenges we're facing on the water quality side are a result of groundwater contamination. You know, as you know, Alexandra, that's naturally occurring, but either the water system's too small or doesn't have the right operator to manage kind of more of a traditional treatment facility. And ultimately, unfortunately, these problems manifest themselves physically. Um, we've heard so many anecdotal stories about the degradation of health and education in these communities because of a lack of clean access to clean water. For example, you know, a kid turning to a sugary drink because the water makes their stomach hurt or missing school yet again because of some sort of sickness that the doctor just like can't put their finger on. Source is able to tackle these issues by providing our water, of course, and we're able to deploy our, the tech, our technology that creates our water either within the homes or through a community accessible water kiosk. And could you talk a little bit about how exactly the technology works and how water is produced just from the air and from sunlight? Absolutely. Um, So our system uses a combination of PV power, solar thermal technology, and material science. And uh, the way that it works is that the panel uh, pulls in ambient air and that ambient air is actually heated up through a solar thermal process um, multiple times, and that makes the air hotter and wetter. And that hot, wet air gets blown across our desiccant, which is just a fancy way of saying a very absorbent material. And that a very absorbent material captures only H2O, and so that H2O is then captured in a vapor format and then actually uh, liquefied, essentially desorbed into a liquid format. Um, on board the system. And then the liquid water is stored on board the panel in its own little reservoir. And that reservoir is constantly circulating and it has its own uh, onboard ozonation system to keep the water clean. And from there, you can hook it into another panel or we can uh, directly dispense from the panel or hook it into a filter or a um, dispenser um, at the home or at the kiosk level. And on average, how much water is produced, I guess, per hydro panel installed out of these kiosk stations? So we actually, because our technology is um, you know, getting better and better every day, um, we look at what is the water demand in the community or at the home level, and then we size the system to those needs. So on average, we would typically deploy a system for a family of four that would serve eight liters of drinking water per day. And that would provide, you know, more than the essentially almost two liters of water per person per day, which is the recommendation from the FDA. Gotcha. That's great. And I would love to hear a bit about your applications of the technology thus far. And I was also curious where exactly it is that you install the hydro panels. Yeah. um, So hydro panels can be installed pretty much anywhere. They're installed either on a roof or on the ground. We've installed, you know, anywhere in from a garden to um, on top of a, you know, on top of a water tank. So anywhere really. And that was the intention of Source and to begin with, right, is to be this deployable product that can serve drinking water needs in any location anywhere. 
And with that, uh, today we're deployed in 49 countries. But I will, you know, you asked about some of the applications. And so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about specifically about the U.S. Um, applications that we've done. So some of the more recent projects that Source has done um, in, involved um, providing source water to residents in Beverly, Kentucky. And Beverly, Kentucky, for many years had essentially orange orange tap water. Um, oh, wow. And so <laughs> very alarming, right, um, to residents and and so much so that a lot of people would actually go out into local rivers and fill up water in water jugs from the local rivers, um, which, of course, resulted in, you know, additional waterborne illnesses because of bacterial contamination. And so Source uh, Water and some of our, our nonprofit partners were able to implement um, a system there where, you know, of course, it's providing consistent water quality and consistent water access um, in a region that's very historically underserved. And so that's, that's our, one of our projects in Appalachia. Another project that we're working on more locally to both you and me um, is providing a solution to a public water system who has experienced nine times the legal limit of uranium contamination for over a decade. And so we're working with our partners there to provide source to every resident in that community. And we have our technology deployed there today. Such a great decentralized off-grid solution in areas there that are having these water quality issues or areas that are just farther from these centralized systems. Yeah. And one, actually one of the highlight projects that I'd love to share with you um, is our work on the Navajo Nation. And I don't know if you know, but um, the Navajo has, I think it's specifically 9,650 homes that don't have access to piped water. And, you know, beyond that, I think many people probably heard about Navajo this year um, because of the COVID crisis that hit the nation. Of course, you know, that's only made worse by the fact if you don't have piped water in your house, you have to leave your home to go get water at the store, right? So with shortages on bottled water, people were driving hours upon hours to get bottled water access, um, and it just made the whole COVID situation worse. So we were fortunate enough, thankfully, to work with some of our partners to deploy source on 18 homes and, you know, provide first-time water access to those people. Wow, that's incredible. And zooming out for a minute wanted to ask prior to source and I guess now <laughs> still do you think that there's a gap in the water market for these decentralized off-grid solutions where it's not feasible to connect homes or a community to a more mm -hmm. centralized system yeah I think that's a good that's a good point I mean like specifically uh, I think that we address kind of two gaps in the you know sort of water tech market um, but I also think it's always important to, to know that really the gap that we're solving is the gap of access, right, mm -hmm. to clean drinking water. Um, and the way that we're trying to do that is kind of, it's the opposite of what many water tech companies are doing today, which is we're focusing from the outside in, like physically, right? Um, many water tech companies kind of focus more on the urban large utilities, and we're taking the most remote, the most rural, the most contaminated and offering a solution and, you know, essentially any of the, any of available solutions to those communities may have never been implemented without source. And then, you know, on the water tech side, I kind of look at this as we're specifically solving the problem of speed to deployment and then kind of relatedly 
the deployability of the technology. Um, you know, we could, <laughs> we always say quite literally, we could be put on a desert island and our system kind of does it all in about a half hour. You know, it generates water, it stores water, it keeps the water clean and dispenses the water all in one. Yeah, that's amazing. It's kind of, yeah, it can be applied to a range of different water issues. And I was also curious, what are the main challenges you've faced thus far with implementing the technology? Is the water tech market hesitant at all accepting this kind of technology? Or um, I guess, what are the main challenges you faced so far? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that that actually, those, that question leads into both like physically, <laughs> physically, what are the challenges that we've experienced deploying our system? And then more on the, um, the public awareness side and policy side. Um, so physically, uh, because source is so off grid and that we are focusing on more rural and remote communities, we <laughs> physically have problems actually sending uh, our technology to these extremely remote locations. One project off the top of my head that, that, that remind, reminds me of this is that um, we did a project with uh, Conservation International uh, for the Waiyu tribe in La Guajira in Colombia last year, late last year. Um, and the situation in the Waiyu tribe um, before we deployed source there um, was that the, the women of the tribe would actually walk three hours to get uh, to a spring and three hours to get back every day for the, to get you know, access for water for their families. And so you can, you can imagine in your mind that it takes three hours to get, you know, to, to a source of water, how remote that place is. And so we physically had to, I think it was a plane, a seaplane, a boat, and an ATV is what it took to get our technology to them. And so, of course, from a physical perspective, the completion of that project um, was difficult, but it was, you know, extremely important and, and um, heartwarming heartwarming for us to know that, you know, we're giving essentially time back to the women of the YU. So those transportation challenges were well worth it. Uh, on, the, on the more policy side, um, you know, I think the biggest challenge is that, especially within the U.S. and without Flint uh, being in the media every day, many people, you know, in the more urban environments really don't think that we have any sort of water problems within the U.S. And so getting that visibility at the county, the state, and the federal level uh, to create policies and ultimately open doors to funding the more rural and remote communities is really one of the roadblocks. Definitely. Yeah, and going back to your story of implementing the technology in that community, it's really great mm -hmm. that you are giving back this time and energy to women like this that are spending six hours a day just walking to retrieve water. That water access problem is such a the stem of a lot of more problems. And then exactly. when you solve that, they can put their time back towards working, improving their economy. And I think that's mm -hmm. really great. Yeah, one of the reasons we chose Source as such a, you know, it's such a basic, basic name for water, obviously, as you know, but one of the reasons that we thought it could be um, taken in many ways, right, is that, that we can be a source of change and source of social justice and, so, and economic justice, essentially. Um, and so we, we, we love doing those projects. They are yeah. what gets us, you know, up out of bed every day. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess to follow up from my previous question about challenges you face going forward as you continue to implement your technology and 
different communities around the U.S. and globally, are there any major roadblocks you see with regards to environment, regulations, policy? Mm. I guess, what are the mm -hmm. major challenges you see source facing down the road? Yeah, I think um, definitely within the U.S., as I mentioned, the policy and funding aspect is, is key um, in order to address these systemic challenges. I see, you know, from a regulatory perspective, thankfully the U.S. has such a, a strong regulatory um, presence with, with water. Um, and we see the, the experts every day at the state level um, working to enforce the rules there. And we love that. Um, so from a time perspective, I think regulations is really the only, you know, the only roadblock for us essentially is as the time that it takes to, to prove our technology and get through those regulations. We, as I mentioned, we're in 49 countries today. So in the many of those, we are an approved source of water. So we see, you know, that not being an issue more, just more on a time basis. Um, and environmentally, you know, the, the roadblocks for us are not really anything to do with how dry the environment is. It's really about if we're, we're working in a more urban environment, it's, you know, space, space limitations is really the roadblock. So in our more rural and remote environment communities that we're, you know, targeting, those are not really an issue. Gotcha. And I was wondering, since you've mentioned several cases of implementing the hydro panels in these remote rural communities, I was just wondering how you see its potential to be applied on a larger scale. That's a great question. Um, so we are actively working on projects today that will be serving thousands of people. Um, and we're doing that kind of through a, what we call our field concept, which is where we aggregate all of our hydro panels together and then serve a, a separate drinking water system to homes and businesses. Taking that one step further, of course, you know, we're, we're definitely a vision-led company. And ultimately, we'd love to be able to match a net zero home with both energy, you know, our energy partners and net zero water. And could you talk a little bit more about your energy partners and the collaboration there? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we recently actually did a, a public launch with Sungevity. Um, They're a residential solar provider in California. Um, and we have uh, many solar energy partners throughout globally, actually, that are both distribution and um, installation partners for us. Um, and, you know, it ties really well into um, you know, owning your own source of energy and owning your own source of water is just a, a very um, elegant, you know, elegant message. And I, we see a lot of people resonate with that. Amazing. And then I was curious with Source's ability to implement these off-grid solutions, are there any other decentralized water sources or off-grid solutions that you see playing a role in the future of water? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we need the we need the Tesla uh, battery of uh, water recycling systems, I think. Um, you know, so the system level of what is it, what will it take to um, provide that resiliency for homes in both a, you know, non-potable uses to shower, you know, shower and dishwasher uses to drinking water uses. We see our technology fitting a piece of that puzzle, but not being the whole puzzle. Um, so we definitely are, are excited to see the progress in the water tech space on recycling and um, gray water use and even, you know, what we call kind of fitness for purpose, where we can have these dual or, or you know, tri-water systems uh, to serve different needs within a home. 
yeah, it's super exciting to see all the innovation happening in the water sector because sometimes I feel like there's the wa water industry is so important and water is such a vital resource, but yeah, I feel like lacked attention and we just deal with so many water issues, but there's a lot of exciting innovation happening and I'm really excited to see where it all goes. It's really exciting. And then this is a very general question, but what do you believe <laughs> needs to change in the way that water is currently managed for all humans to have access to safe drinking water, which is a big, mm. big goal? It is. Well, first, I think, you know, safe drinking water access is a fundamental human right. And I think almost everybody agrees on that, you know, blue or red or green. I think most people would say that that, that fundamental access uh, to water is, is key. And so I think really what it comes down to is working together to bring those barriers down to, to serve these communities and people globally um, and within our own backyards who quite often you know, get left out of these policy and funding conversations. And that's a great place to start. Definitely. Yeah, and give them hand that they need because mm -hmm. yeah, water is such a vital resource and it is a human right yet. It's really crazy how many people lack access to safe water, even just access to an adequate supply of water. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, especially within the water quality space, is, you know, not, not knowing or not understanding that, you know, groundwater source, of course, will be just naturally laden with, with arsenic and uranium. It's no one's fault, right? It's just how the earth, how the yeah. earth created it. So it's, there's not really a finger to point. It's really how do we... Uh, you know, how do we join join our arms together and come up with a solution to address those communities? Exactly. And when you are assessing a project location to mm -hmm. implement source, what environmental considerations do you take into account? Do you look at the moisture content of the air, the humidity? What are the factors that play into your decision to implement source in a given area? Yeah, that's a good question. So actually source was created out of uh, Arizona State University. So out of Scottsdale, Arizona, and, you know, kind of tying back to our vision of perfecting water for every person, every place, the kind of part of the product requirements, frankly, was to be able to operate in a very dry and arid environment. Um, so you tie that with, though, the fact that our system is solar powered, right? Um, and so you, you realize that, yes, it, it absolutely works in a desert environment, but it actually works even better in very tropical environments like, you know, the Caribbean or um, in Mexico, for example. So there's not really a way that we would say no to an environment, but the system itself will be a more efficient in a more humid environment that also has access to great solar irradiance. Gotcha. Yeah. And usually when you are implementing this te technology, who is the one funding it? And how does that vary per area? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the, you know, the, it, depending on the application of the system, as you mentioned, um, our funding sources can be from uh, the companies themselves that are using the, the end water or source water. The, uh, and it can go all the way to the homeowner themselves funding it. Or, of course, we have um, nonprofit organizations and grant opportunities that we apply for to provide funding for to serve those communities in, in need. And there, we've done many cases where we have a nonprofit uh, funder with a philanthropic backer, our own funding, and a grant source 
and even additional source on top of that. So our project funding can be quite complicated, but we essentially are knocking on all doors to being able to you know, address and deploy our systems for those communities. That's the way to do it. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Funding comes from a variety of different sources. Exactly. So I have taken up quite a bit of your time and we're so appreciative of you coming on. And do you have any last items you'd like to share or anything else you'd like to leave listeners with? And if anyone is interested in learning more about Source, where would you direct them to? Sure. Yes, I do have one last thing to leave with with people that are listening. Um, First of all, thank you for your time, Alexandra, and and for inviting me on on this podcast. The, the thing that I want to leave you with is that, you know, as you know, water quality challenges do exist within the U.S. and they, you know, predominantly impact the more rural, the more remote um, communities. And we see the, you know, innovative water technology or distributed water technology like source can be a solution to these problems in a more cost-effective, more resilient way. I would say that said, solving quality water access problems globally, it requires many solutions. And those solutions impact the human need of water, of course, but they also impact, you know, as we just talked about, the health and the social and economic impacts of the communities. And so what I want to say is that all of those solutions are worked towards that greater goal of solving that problem. And so keep working on those innovative technology solutions. And hopefully we'll see you uh, on a source project soon. If anyone wants to contact me, feel free to reach out at at, uh, clara at source.co. Great. Thank you so much, Clara. And thank you for your time and for telling us a little bit more about source. Thank you, Alexandra. I really hope you enjoyed hearing from Clara about their hydro panels as much as I did. I'm really looking forward to see how Source continues to grow and help communities around the world fight water quality and water access problems. I also wanted to echo what Clara said about how so many problems we're facing in our generation are interconnected. It's not going to be a single person or even company that is going to be able to solve an issue as complex as the global water crisis. It will require many, many minds working together, but I definitely enjoy hearing about some of the puzzle pieces that are beginning to come together to form solutions to some of these problems, and I hope you do too. We'll catch you next time.